0: This is Booch News with Ian Griffin, a podcast all about kombucha. So I'm on the phone today with Stacey Jurich, the owner and founder of Boochie Mamas Kombucha out of Toledo, Ohio. Hey, Stacey, how are you?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thanks a lot for making the time to talk today. And uh, I'm curious to know, you've launched uh, your company uh, Bucci Mama um, i believe uh, back in 2015 but when did you first uh, get acquainted with kombucha how, how did that come into your life and what led you to start a, a company out there in ohio
1: well i first learned how to make kombucha um, kind of at a period of time in my life where i was doing a lot of traveling um and found myself in Hawaii, and had a caretaker gig at uh, someone's home, and they happened to have some kombucha uh, brewing there, and so I learned how to make it, and when I eventually found my way back to Toledo, um, you know, I had it had such an impact on me when I was drinking it in Hawaii that I, I knew I wanted to um, continue doing that, so I found... Uh, a SCOBY from a goat farmer, because then I, at that time, was back in Ohio working on a little goat farm for this very radical woman. Um, so I got a SCOBY from her and started back up um, and really just haven't obviously stopped since. Um, it just was so such a fascinating process, and I really – it had changed my, my health and my um, – trajectory of kind of holistic natural living um it was it was kind of like the cornerstone of of that and opened doors to the other wellness products and you know like a lifestyle really that kombucha introduced me to
0: yeah well that's that's almost the a classic story i love the fact it was which island in hawaii were you on
1: it was the big island um in puna
0: yeah Yeah, well, the big island to Ohio to a goat farm. I mean, that's, uh, I think, uh, fits beautifully in with the idea that somebody gave you a SCOBY and and you started. So what led you to, I mean, I brew at home. You were at that point experimenting, I'm sure, brewing your first batches at home. What led Mm -hmm. you to decide to launch this as a commercial business? I mean, was there a moment Uh, when you kind of had an aha moment and, and Or was it kind of a gradual step-by-step? Step?
1: Well, I think I was gradually building a business without really realizing it um, or, or without really having the intention of starting to brew commercially um, up until I did have an aha moment. And I actually um, don't talk about this moment or get asked about it very often. Um, I was in Oakland, California, visiting a friend, and I just, you know, was a kombucha drinker, so I would go around and buy kombucha when I was traveling, and I kind of had this moment where I was like, oh, there's all these cool local brands here on the West Coast and Oakland and the Bay Area, and, you know, like, every other trend, it's the Midwest is, like, five years behind. So that was kind of my aha moment of, like, this is cool on the West Coast. It's going to take five years to get to the Midwest, so why don't I start a kombucha company? And I literally called the Ohio Department of Agriculture, who, like, does all of our licensing um, and asked them what my requirements would be to, like, start a commercial kitchen. Um, And they were, like, really unfamiliar with kombucha, and and they weren't quite sure, like – what to tell me as far as what my requirements would be. Um, and they actually, I'm, I'm, is, I'm issued a license. I don't know how other states operate, but with, in Ohio, it's a, a soft drink and bottled water manufacturing license. Um, and I think, you know, there's different states handle kombucha differently with the alcohol content or whatever, Um that's kind of a, a licensing tangent, but uh, that was my aha moment. It was in the fall of 2014, and I filed my articles of incorporation on January 1st of 2015. So I just like had that yeah. aha moment, and then I just went for it.
0: Well, it, it's again, it's it's uh, coincidental that you're talking about Oakland. I live in Vallejo, which is a half-hour drive away, and I know
1: oh, you know cool. many local
0: Many of those local brands, you know, one of the famous ones on the, you know, East Bay is House Kombucha, started by a woman, Rana Chang, who I interviewed years ago. There's Moss Beach Kombucha, there's Marine Kombucha, and, uh, you know, California, down in Southern California, you've got GT Dave and Health Aid and so on, is definitely uh, ground yeah. zero. Um, and I felt
1: yeah started yeah. of
0: big news after my experience was back in the UK where I grew up realizing five, six years ago, there was all, I I'm not at the age where I was going to launch a commercial company, but I totally get the fact that you saw the Midwest, you saw an opportunity out here in California and, and began in the Midwest in January, 2015. So coming up on nine years, um, what have been some of the, what have some of the sort of, Um, inflection points because I I saw online you recently I think moved to a new brewery you've opened a tap room but before we get to today as you now got nearly a decade's experience looking back what were some of the things that went right maybe what were some of the challenges what what could you share as far as the journey that you've been on uh, as a commercial uh, Bukimama's kombucha yeah
1: so I mean if you think about a home brewing setup um I had I had I would get I got all my initial home brewing supplies from a beer home brewing store um well let me let me rephrase that when I was really home brewing I don't know what I used I just used whatever I had I had but when I started the business and it was literally transitioning from my five-gallon batches, I was like, okay, well now, as a home brewer, I was making five-gallon batches. So then as a commercial brewer, I was like, I'm going to make eight-gallon batches, and I'm going to make, you know, five eight-gallon batches or something. So I was getting all my equipment at a home brewing store, and from, from literally that point until even now, every time you want to scale up, which in my case, and for a lot of Brewers, when you're brewing just a tiny, tiny bit, the scale up happens quickly um, if you have a market for kombucha. And it was like every time I would have to get new equipment or outgrow, um, there's just such a big learning curve as to what the new equipment was going to be and how to use it. And my biggest ones were in bottling. And, Uh, so how do I bottle the kombucha? Where do I buy the bottles? I mean, literally just, like, everything. You're starting from scratch, so it's, like, sourcing and equipment and then using the equipment. I remember getting this – it's called an enomatic. It's an Italian wine bottling thing, and I thought it was so cool that I had this, like, cool Italian piece of equipment, but it's meant for wine, and it was like a gravity thing. And, like, I I remember using it and, like, tying rubber bands on it in really weird ways, like, just trying to get it to work, and it just wasn't working. And then, like, trying to return it and losing money on the return and, like, just being so disappointed and, like, feeling, like, so defeated. And And that was just one example, I mean, of probably – 20, I'm just throwing a number out there, 20 times of like having to essentially reset the equipment, whether it's on the brewing side or the the packaging side or the bottling side. I mean, it's just constantly teaching myself something I know nothing about again and and then hoping that that process is um, not very long and not very expensive, Um And sometimes it was really expensive or – and, like, totally the wrong thing. Um, Carbonating kombucha was, like, a huge learning curve. Um, So, yeah, it's just, like, I remember being at a point where I would – not one point. It was just so many points where I'm kind of, like, looking at my numbers and I'm looking at, like, needing to scale up and just, like, asking myself, okay, it's like, if I scale up this time and I invest, you know – ten thousand dollars in a new bottling machine or something is this going to be my point where my scale my like quantities of scale is gonna even out and uh i don't know i i haven't got to that point yet but i think i'm maybe there now that we're we switched to cans and have like a third party co-packer um but anyway that's that's yep. those are kind of like my challenges um and there's victories in there because i would figure it out and i know a lot about the bottling industry now and I know a lot, a lot about the beverage industry and the the um, brewing industry, but I wasn't like an industry insider or expert, and I didn't even know I was entering an industry. Like that concept didn't even occur to me when I was first starting out. Like I'm now in the beverage industry. And, and there's like, you know, people who focus just on the packaging and just on the right caps for the right bottle and like all these things. It was, like – so there's just huge learning curves and you just hope that you do it right
0: yeah that's uh well i mean i applaud what you've done i i certainly as a home brewer um, i've always stayed with my little two gallon batches and make more than i uh-huh. can drink, give it away and i think uh i can well i i can well appreciate what you did what kind of resources then helped you were you able to network with other kombucha brewers, maybe across the country to help, or were you kind of just Googling information and uh, learning, like you said, with the Italian wine bottling kind of expensive mistake, but was there, and, and was this also a, one, a one-woman one band, or did, did by now, had you got uh, other people working with you, or did you bring in any expertise from elsewhere to help you uh, on the journey?
1: So it it a lot of it it was just teaching myself through the internet, Um, and uh, I did hire someone pretty early on, and he wasn't by any means an expert in kombucha or brewing or anything like that. So we've never had anyone from the industry come join our team. Um, So we kind of all just said, you know teaching ourselves and and learning and figuring it out on our own, really.
0: Okay, okay, yeah, well, self-taught. So this raises a question in my mind is, so there you are in Toledo. It sounds like you're growing by leaps and bounds. I mean, you're going from scale-up to scale-up to scale-up. So what was the consumer reception? I mean, was this like a bottomless, were people thirsty for kombucha, or did you have to kind of explain to uh, you know your your neighborhood people and and grow the market. How how did you find that uh, people responded to your, the kombucha you were making? And how did you see acceptance? Was it a, just a rapid growth or, or was that a struggle too?
1: Um, it was a struggle, and it, it still is a struggle a little bit here in Toledo, and um. The first four years, maybe, it was really just encountering a lot of people who had never heard of kombucha, nor had they ever, of you know, of course, never tried it before. Um, so it was just a huge learning curve or teaching curve, um, explaining to people what it is, what it is, what it is. And even still, of course, you know, we'll have people who've never tried it before. Maybe they've heard of it now, but haven't tried it yet. Um so that was a big thing and I think that you know there at the same time there were plenty of people here who were like yes this is amazing like we get our own local kombucha company and have been like very loyal very supportive um since yeah since even before day 1 when you know I I had some a few customers as when I was doing it out of my own kitchen um but, yeah, so I think there is, there is like, a little niche market of kombucha drinkers, you know, obviously here to support us and to support a tap room. We're very close to Ann Arbor, which is, is a more health-centric town that we, we sell in quite a bit. Um, and it's certainly growing, and now local products and natural wellness and kombucha and probiotics, they've all kind of had their, their highlight in trends, and um, so by now most people I would they have heard of it, um, but now kind of what I'm experiencing um, is there's a lot of really bad kombucha out there, and I don't mean any offense to any of your other companies or any other readers, and, and honestly, it's mostly just like some of the bigger brands um, that are not adhering to kombucha brewing standards like the KBI is trying to set. So there are kombuchas that don't necessarily go through a fermentation process, but there may be like a sparkling juice with laboratory probiotics added or something like that. But, you know, there's just kombuchas out there that have so much sugar Um, or there's kombuchas out there that are maybe really, really sour. So I'm kind of encountering people where it's like, you know what, well, let's try and I kind of just want to explain to people that there are – kombucha is a very variable beverage. Um, you're going to just have so many different tastes along the spectrum of sweet and sour and funky and not funky and funky is okay. And um, just kind of like broadening people's palates is maybe a better way of putting it um, to where they they can taste something that is different or new, and not be turned off by it right away, and just like kind of like take another sip. And and it's, it's there's a lot of like depth to kombucha, and almost like treating it like a wine or something, where you can just the third sip is going to taste different than the first sip. Um, so I guess we the the community and the culture around food and drinks has grown in nine years, and we're definitely at a different spot where um, I'm still having to like explain what kombucha is for sure, but I'm also getting to have a lot of other conversations about it too.
0: Yeah, yeah, and to that point, I mean, let's just bring ourselves totally up to date. So, on your website or Instagram, you're now kind of a regional brand in the Midwest, right? You listed Ohio, Michigan, Kentucky, Indiana's uh, distributing... Uh, through what Whole Foods are you in Whole Foods are you are you across uh, uh, multiple distribution outlets now
1: yeah we're kind of in between Uh, we do work with one distributor Um, we had a couple of distributors drop off in the last two and a half years so we're kind of in a little bit of a limbo with our distribution Um, we're still like in multiple states in in the Midwest Um, but haven't like picked back up after having the two distributors drop off. So um, hopefully, you know, I've got like a few conversations in the works and I'm hoping uh, one of those lines up here pretty quick. But um, we do work with a distributor out of Cleveland. So we have, you know, a lot of Ohio covered, a lot of lower Michigan covered. Um, We do a lot of our distribution on on our own. and, And, you know, that's been a huge learning curve as well. Um, but it's definitely fun to to yeah, just get our get our product out there and hit different parts of the country. Yeah. And we do also meantime, sell we we sell online too, so you know, we ship kombucha all over the country. Um so yeah, if anyone, you know, wants to check us out, it's dot com.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a good point. B-O-O-C-H-Y-M-A-M-A dot com is uh, where you can go order it. And also for those people who do live in Toledo, uh, you opened a tap room. With, what is it a glass-blowing studio? Um, h- how long ago did that open? It looks like it's, uh, it's doing well, right? You've got things like poetry nights and yoga and five-course kombucha. Yeah. When did the tap room uh, open the doors?
1: We moved into our new uh, warehouse in January and then opened the tap room in May. Um, and actually, I think it was in April. Uh, so we're in kind of a unique building where we've got this big warehouse in the back that we turned into our our kitchen and brewery. And we've got a, a massive walk-in cooler there because we uh, our warehouse connects to uh, a produce warehouse. So we overlap in the middle in this massive walking cooler, which was kind of like the, the selling point for, for us moving here. So we have all of our storage here. And then in the front of this building is a glass-blowing studio. So they've got their hot shop here where they blow glass. And at adjacent to that is this beautiful gallery where they sell all of the stuff they make. And we kind of took over this this part of the gallery and built out a tap room. Um, with a little seating area. We sell some of our teas and uh, other products and, you know, of course our cans. And then we've got eight different drinks on tap and people can come in and do a flight or a growler. Um, so it's kind of been like a, a fun hub. Um, and, and we get to play around with lots of different flavors and, um, you know, do flavors on tap that we don't, don't do in our canning runs.
0: Yeah, right, so that's um, given me a a question then I've got, is you're doing kombucha on tap with multiple flavors. What flavors are available, you said, like for mail order or people who go into the stores in the Midwest who would find, on your website, I thought I could really only see, looked like there was three flavors, right? There's in the cans, there's Temple of Gold, I'm looking at one here, Fairy Tale Summer Serenade. Are those the, which are various lavender, lemon, and Tulsi as Summer Serenade, hibiscus, rose, mint, and then ginger, turmeric, lemongrass. Are those your three, like base flavor? They're they're the core flavors that you sell in cans. Or am I missing some uh, that you could buy? In the no, those
1: are, those are our core three. Um, two days from now, from this recording, um, so maybe by the time. Everyone's listening. We'll have our fourth flavor um, finally being added to our line, and that one is going to be uh, called Woodland Bliss, and it is a yerba mate, vanilla, balsam fir, and juniper. Um, so that fourth, that can, that can will also be available um, online, and that those are four four flavors that you know, we distribute it to all of our wholesale accounts and stores and cafes and stuff. Um, and then on tap, I mean, we just really kind of like <laughs> just do anything and everything that we can think of. Um, right now with fall, we kind of stick with our fall classics, I guess, um, because, you know, we kind of know what our, our customers like. So we've got a chai. We'll do some with apple cider. We'll do uh grapefruit rosemary. We've got a pear cardamom, um and then a pumpkin pie spice. I think those are like our core fall flavors. And then um Yeah, then we just yep. kind of play around with you know, like we're doing uh we just did a batch of one of our old flavors that we used to make, which is another yerba mate, vanilla, cardamom, and lavender. Um, We've been doing a lot with yerba mate lately. We've been, we've got some cherry juice and lime juice we're doing some fun stuff with. Um, So I don't know. I mean, we just are like, let's make something we've never tried before.
0: Yeah, and also I see online, you've got, you say the. Kombucha is botanically infused, but you also carry herbal tinctures, um, immune defense, balance. You sell loose tea leaves. Uh, So you've got a range of products. It's not just all kombucha all the time.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that was part of just like having a kitchen stocked with herbs. I got inspired to start making dry tea blends. Um, and then the tinctures as well. And you don't really wholesale those as well. Those are more so for online sales and our, you know, here in our tap room.
0: That's wonderful. You know, it's been great hearing uh, your story today. And um, I know there's a lot more people can find online. Again, it's uh, BucciMama, uh, dot com, And for those of you in Ohio, check out the tap room. And uh, good luck rowing in, into the future.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for listening
0: to Booch News. For more about kombucha, please visit BoochNews.com.